again, Jay English, the cross-cultural coach, and I am sitting with one of my cousins, Miss Tressa Thomas. Now, yeah, don't let her fool you. She all nice and kind and humble right now. Uh, Miss Tressa, <laughs> for as far back as I remember, um, Tressa has been in the entertainment. She was on TV. Like, I swear, every time as a kid, I turned on TV, we was watching something she was on. She was in movies. She was just sitting all over the place, new cities, new places, um, like everywhere. I've seen her on McDonald's commercials, and then she told me about what they did to the burgers before she could take a bite. Like, all the secrets she was letting us know. And the real funny part was, so in my family, uh, they were equal opportunity uh, disciplinarians. And we watched, like, Tressa, like, literally do movies and then get grounded. <laughs> When she got back, <laughs> <laughs> well, whoop it. get a whooping, you know, pranking, whatever you want to call it, depending on who you are. She yeah. got it just like everybody else got it. So we were like, man, Tressa getting it ain't no hope for us. So, you know, it, <laughs> her punishments kept all of us in line because we was like, dang, if you can't get away with it and you doing stuff for like Robert Townsend and you sitting on TV with some of everybody else. Mm -hmm. I ain't met not none of them, so I know I'm getting in trouble. <laughs> I ain't that's bringing no money in at nine. <laughs> yes, I think that that's a that is a strong and amazing testament to our family. Um, in that they they wanted us to accomplish amazing things. They wanted us to leave a legacy. Um, yes. but we we were their children first. Yes, and we were to show respect and honor first. Um, and then from that point, they expected us to excel and succeed in whatever, you know, our heart desired. But I realized that I was Elaine and Porter's daughter first. <laughs> and then the singing and the acting and all of that other stuff came yes. with that. But the respect and the honor, were, it had to be there. Yeah, they did not care at all. Uh, you know, at all. We did. We found out. So now again, our family, we've been blessed. Um, yes. I, look at, I look at all of us, like even as grandkids, for everybody to have graduated college, which is unbelievable. Everybody has some type of degree. Um, I can't say I've come across many families where that's the case. Right. So I look at them and I say, man, y'all did something right. You know, something was going on and, you know, I thought they was crazy growing up. I ain't going to even lie to you. Uh, I thought they was all nuts, but <laughs> I, I, I love them. And the ones that have gone on, man, I miss them daily. Uh, we used to sit and be over at Tressa's house. So my mom would drop us off. She worked third shift and she would drop us off over at Auntie Elaine's house. And we knew it was going to be interesting for the next two, three days. We was going to come oh, over there. We was going to laugh. We was going to talk. Uh, Elaine was going to threaten us. She had to stay with me. Tell us. You, Tressa, you remember this? She used to tell us, y'all going to make me turn around three times. Yes, I remember that. And we were like, what's no. going to happen? You don't even want to know what's going to happen. When I turn around them three times, something going to come out. I didn't ever. Like, I would get her to two, and I'm like, no, no, stop, stop, stop. I'm good. I don't want to yes. know. You don't want to see past three, dude. You don't want to see that. I tested it once or twice in my life. It's not pretty. It, it wasn't was good. Um, but yes, I, I also also uh, recall those wonderful days of you and and our my cousin Jerry and our other cousins in the family coming over and hanging out with us and spending time with us. Um, 
I was always kind of nervous about it because I did really have a very unorthodox mother um, who <laughs> had a very wild imagination, who had um, a very interesting way of disciplining her children mm -hmm. um, and who was a natural storyteller. And so you put all of that together and yeah, you walking into Willy Wonka's, you know what I mean? <laughs> we love uh, it. Like, I'm yeah, not going to lie to you. When my mom said, y'all, look, I got to go to work. You staying at Elaine's house tomorrow. We were like, yes! Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she going to tell us some story that we don't know if it's true or not. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to be all type of stuff happening. We knew we was going to get fed well. We already knew that was going to happen. Yep. I knew for a fact I was going to get to getting Chris's comic books. I knew that was going to happen. Yep. I knew we was going to play Sega Genesis. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And you was going to tell us some horror stories. Sister, your sister knew she was going to be all in the Barbies and <laughs> had a ton of Barbies. And yeah, it was it was great having you guys over there. Um, and I'm so glad that our, our moms were able to, you know, maintain the relationship that they had where we could have the relationships that we had. Because there's so many fractured families in this world where brothers and sisters aren't speaking to each other anymore. Right, and, right. You know, I mean, anymore. I'm not talking about having little spats between these because every sibling has a spat, you know, or at some point. But I'm talking anymore where families are just cut off for good. Right. And I love that our family has not allowed that to happen and has not created the environment for that to happen. Right. And all of us grandkids have grown up to have, you know, very decent relationships with each other. And we have amazing memories between all of us. We do. So I come, I, I, I really congratulate our elders for creating that life for us. Absolutely. Well, Teresa, I want you, if you don't, wouldn't mind kind of walk us through, um, you know, just some of the things you've done, you know, again, I, I remember seeing you on star search, you know, I remember seeing you in commercials and, you know, Everybody to this day still remembers the five heartbeats. Like it, that's just yes, that'll never go away. You'll never. <laughs> so for those that don't know, this was Duck's little sister who sang the song in the bedroom, finding all the pieces of the paper. Folks still to this day be like the five heartbeats. Yeah. So I know you can't escape. I'm sorry, and you probably be like, yeah. I hate that song. <laughs> well, you know what? I don't hate that song. That song okay, actually okay. was an absolute blessing from the Lord. Um. I view that song as God entrusting an anthem to me uh, that is going to be my legacy and is going to be something that inspires people forever. I'll never live that down. It's okay. Um, I have not sang that song, personally sang that song in a while. Yeah. Um, that I did get tired of. <laughs> but <laughs> I, uh, anyway, so I'll start from the beginning. Yeah. Um, start, uh, uh, way before Star Search, I was singing on stage. I started singing in church. Faith Tabernacle, Church of God in Christ. Um uh, 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 what was the oh lord what was grandma's church um oh war memorial 
Or Memorial, yeah. Between those two, I was just blah, blah, blah. Yes. So I got a, I got a lot of my my spiritual and like physical vocal training between those two churches. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I branched out into something that was a little more secular, which was like summer festivals and things like that, wasn't yeah. anything raunchy or bad. Um, this nice summer jazz and pop tunes. I was doing like Taste of Chicago and my mom had me doing these huge festivals all over Illinois and you know, like uh, Kenosha County area. Um, and then from there, it branched out to me getting agents downtown Chicago. By the time I was 11, um, I had about four agents and I was going on in auditions for commercials and television shows and stuff and I was booking stuff so um by the time the five heartbeats came along I was 12 um my dad had already passed away he passed away when I was eight um and it was just me my mom and my brother yeah and so we uh she took me downtown for that audition and it was what's funny is Robert Townsend has done a whole documentary about the five heartbeats and there's a whole section of it in there about me how he found me, how he determined that I was going to be singing the anthem, essentially of the film. That's the yeah. anthem of the film. Yeah. Um, and he goes through all that. So I'll let y'all listen to him because he <laughs> loves talking about that. I, I don't go into it. Um, but that whole journey um, is what really got me into the bigger picture of entertainment. Mm-hmm. So after that, there were, you know, frequent visits to Hollywood. I did a 13 city tour with Robert and the Dells promoting the five heartbeats. That was an amazing experience for me. Um, I have not talked to anyone about it ever. Um, And it's not so much because it's, I have so many bad things to say. I, I, anybody who would watch our interaction right now looking for like dirt and juice i'm gonna have to disappoint you um that's not what that is that was not my experience yeah because there's a there's an old black gospel song i don't know how old it is but she talks about it and how she has a praying grandmother you remember that song oh yeah i had a praying mama and a praying grandmother and i had a she was a praying mama but you also pray on you right. if you were to do something to me. So my mother was a force to be reckoned with. Like I'm trying to find politically correct, wonderful words to describe it, but yeah. you didn't mess with my mother. No, you didn't. And so I don't have rape stories. I don't have molestation stories. I don't have stories of people pulling me in somewhere doing something to me i don't have those stories um my mother protected me my brother protected me Mm -hmm. and um that's one of the reasons why i never became a bigger star than i was when i was a child when i lost my mom i lost her to breast cancer in 2004 yeah i said okay i'm done with entertainment for for the most part i stayed in it but for the part they were you go into the Hollywood parties and you're on the 20th century lot every day. And you know, all of that went away Yeah. because if you don't have somebody there to protect you 
and keep you in line, keep themselves in line, and most importantly, keep the people who are trying to prey upon you away from you, you will fall victim to something, to something. Yeah. Um, And when my mountain, which was my mom, when she was gone, I said, you know what? I can keep doing this, but that fight is a fight I don't want. I don't want that fight. I don't want it. I want peace in my life. I want safety. I want security and I want stability. And those are the things that I started to gravitate towards. As a child star, you may notice with a lot of the child stars that have come up like with us in our generation, you have to keep going. You have to keep making yourself relevant. You have to keep creating, even if it takes you down a crazy path, like, you know, like a Lindsay Lohan or something like that, or um, a Miley Cyrus, like where you have this wholesome period and then you rebel and you have this rebellious period and then you reel it in again. And then, you know, it's just, that's kind of a formula for a child star. Yeah. There are child stars that have never made it out of that formula. And that formula took them out And there are child stars who did make it past that formula, but wouldn't wish it on their worst enemy. Yeah. So I decided to just not even do the, 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 take the journey. I didn't, I didn't even want to. Wow. And this is stuff. That's that's part eight. (laughs) Yeah. Most people wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't even know anything about any of that. And I think that's the, we were talking to before we actually started this conversation we were talking about the reality of looking at things from the outside you have a perception of how things must be that must be amazing this must be wonderful look at what's happening look at what they're doing look at what she's doing where she's at but you're portraying a very different side of that fame mm-hmm. um and you know we know the names we know that even the stories of people mm-hmm. But to think that maybe that's more normal than we even give credit to. And, you know, you had some opportunities internationally, even some things that you turned down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I have a good turn down story. <laughs> um, this was way before American Idol or The Voice or any of that. Um, my mom didn't turn down Star Surge. I did do that. But she did turn down the Mickey Mouse Club. And Kids Incorporated. I don't know if everybody wow. remembers those two shows. Now, you know, if we over 30, we absolutely know exactly what you're talking about. People under 25 yeah. is like... They're what? like, Kids Incorporated? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Kids Incorporated, Mickey Mouse Club. I was supposed to be on both. My mom turned those down. Um, again, it's about the path that it puts you on. Yeah. Uh, Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, and Britney Spears were all on the Mickey Mouse Club. I would have been right there with them. Yeah. Um, that was that was like the time when I would have kind of been there, I think. Um, and she was just like, no, no, no. And I, I asked her, I, I cried about that. I mean, I was just boo-hoo crying. Yeah. And she said to me, she said, the Lord told me your path is different. Your path is different. This is before the five heartbeats. Yeah. 
Okay. So I was like 10, 11 years old when I got this opportunity. And she said, the Lord told me your path is different. And I said, finally, I said, okay, fine. Well, yeah, if I'd have been on a Mickey Mouse Club or Kids Incorporated, I would not have gotten the five heartbeats. Right. Because there were clauses in the contract where I had they had exclusivity and I would not have been able to go and do a 20th Century Fox film. I just wouldn't have been able to do it. So, yeah, that, you know, that was not ordained to me, but that was one of my turndown stories. Another turndown story is uh, several record labels that wanted to sign me after the five heartbeats came out my mother had to turn them down because they came to us with some foolishness like especially off the bat, just up front off the, bat, off the bat like especially with how they wanted me to dress the kind of songs they wanted me to sing yeah um the contracts they were trying to give us thank god we had a great uh, uh entertainment attorney at that time and we, uh, my mother also knew like a very successful businesswoman who dealt with a lot of contracts. Hi, Shelly. Uh, <laughs> that she looked them over and she was like, mm. <laughs> you know, some of this stuff is just not good. Yeah. But there were, there were a couple, there were a couple of uh, record labels that my mom was like, oh, no. Um, but again, that's what makes the difference in this industry, in entertainment industry. There are mothers who would be like, they wouldn't say, oh, no, what is this garbage? Like, I can't believe you've even brought us this. Like, how dare you? You know how bougie my mom could be sometimes. Yes. Uh, and there are mothers who would be like, oh, we got a recording contract. Let's go. You know, and <laughs> next thing you know, they have that mother in a room somewhere. They got me in another room somewhere and she don't know what's happening with me. That's right. Who's talking to me? Who's doing what? Nothing, nothing. You know, kids, you have to be, you have, you cannot put your children in those situations. My mother was not willing to do that. As I know for me, even in some of the things that I'm teaching where I'm helping people understand, media has been indoctrinating people against African-Americans for a very long time. And mm -hmm. it's not just a bias that only white people have. Like we can look at ourselves a certain way. Uh, other cultures look at us a certain way because we've all seen the movies, we've read the stories, we've seen the images, you know, just what we see as being success and how many times we're not shown as achieving that or being able to have that. Mm -hmm. If you need a gangbanger, if you need somebody to commit the crime, you need somebody with five kids and four different mamas, they find somebody to look like us and put us on the screen and the, the things and the doors that closes as society at large views us through that lens. Tell me a little bit about your experiences with racism, discrimination, things mm -hmm. that you think you had to overcome, uh, the reality that you're not just African-American, you're a woman as well. Mm -hmm. And we know that women have been marginalized much longer than African-Americans have. You know, this has been since beginning of history. Yes, this reality has taken place. And then you add on the fact of being African-American, have to navigate these spaces through the contracts, the different people, the opportunities that you did have, the ones your mom protected you from, the things you turned down. You know, what are some of the things that you've experienced just through the years? Well, I. It's it's uh, it's difficult 
for me to report anything too bad in reference to myself. Sure. Because as far as racism is concerned, I haven't dealt much with racism in the entertainment industry, uh, only because, you know, the, the role that was assigned to me, you know, as an African-American female singer, I showed up, I showed out, and, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And the respect, the respect for me in light of that was there with my colleagues and a lot of people that were surrounding me. Um, people acknowledged my talent. They, um, then they treated me with honor and they treated me with respect. Um, I can tell you far much more about racism in corporate America than I could tell you about in the entertainment industry. Okay. Yeah. That'll be another, that'll be a different recording. Um, but what I can tell you is that it's, it's almost a package deal in the entertainment industry. And what I mean by that is you experience racism from time to time in my experience, but mostly I experience classism, ageism, yeah. sexism. Um, those, are, those are the things that are coupled with racism and sometimes supersede racism depending yeah. on the situation that I find myself in. So... I think that in the recent years, although I have not liked some of the titles that have been attached to the movements, um, in recent years, I think that a lot of women are doing an amazing job bringing the disparities of the entertainment industry to light. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing a great job at it. Like I said, I may not like the branding, you know, but it's honestly, the branding doesn't matter. What matters is the outcome, um, how the situation is actually resolved is what matters. So I think we need to, as women, especially minority women, continue to expose the things in this industry that do not need to be there. Mm -hmm. The things that in the past were tolerated because honestly they had to be, um, you know, you can wage war with yourself in a tank against a country and, you know, God bless you. You know what I'm saying? God be with you. Uh, you probably won't make it because it's just you in a tank, but you can wage war if you want to. Or you can be wise and wage war and have an army behind you. And I think now that these a lot of these young ladies have an army behind them, they are coming out and speaking like, um. I, I really dislike it when they say, well, she waited 10 years to say something. Like, why did she wait so long? Because y'all wasn't ready to hear this 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. I didn't have an army behind me 10 years ago. Now you're ready to hear it. Now my army is here and now I'm ready to pounce, you know? So it's not about them, you know, having, they, they probably made something up because it took them 10 years to talk about it. No, it took you 10 years to hear it. Wow. Because you, know? you see a lot of that where people are almost, they're victimizing the victim who's yes. gone through this stuff. Uh, you know, obviously I, I think everybody known, you know, the Harvey Weinstein, that, that whole, yes. whole thing where things are still coming out and still being revealed um, and seeing the number of women mm -hmm. that were impacted through 
him utilizing his position, his power, whatever, to mm-hmm. prey on them. Absolutely. And, and the argument is, you know, well, if you don't, you know, if you don't, if you don't want that, if you didn't want to be with him, why were you there? You know, you know how people come in with and play devil's advocate or, or have these silly arguments like the women deserved it or whatever the case is. What I have to say to people like that is, um, they must have never known someone with true power. Mm. You meet someone that has true power, then you understand the difference between being able to say, you know, no to a chihuahua and being able to say no to freaking Michael Myers. You know, there's a difference. And um, because I'm not in the room with these people, because I'm not there giving her advice and telling her at that in that moment what she needs to do, I keep my mouth shut about you know, whether she's telling the truth or not, or whether she should have been there or not, or whether she should have associated with these people or not. I need to be there. I need to hear the circumstance because I realize that there is an energy that comes with power and influence. And it's, it's overwhelming and it can be evil. It can be just completely soul snatching. It can be. Um, and the average person can sit in their homes with their mouse and their keyboard and say what they would do, but they really don't know unless they were really in that situation. You know, the ageism is a problem too. Yeah. Um, I'm at an age now where, you know, I'm, I'm done competing for anything, you know, unless they're actually looking for a woman in her early forties, you know, um, I'm done with it, you know? <laughs> um, but the bad thing about it is I'm sure Hollywood would have been done with me anyway, a long time ago. Um, I was a plus size woman. I've lost a lot of weight. I was a plus size woman. I was getting older, um, you know, and, a lot of people were like, well, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? Because, oh, honey, if you only knew the real industry, I would just even be wasting my time trying. Yeah. So it's like, um, it's really, it's really to that extent. Cause I know for, you know, again, for me on the outside, I sit around here and talk to Sonia, you know, and I'm like, man, why did they getting plastic surgery? You know, they doing this, they doing that. Why is she doing that to herself? Well, why, why is he, what is that about? You know, you're getting older, just wear it. But you're saying just wearing age and not doing some of these things to counteract that actually impacts your career. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you have if you have been propped up by everyone from your PR firm to your record company to your your management company to, uh, you know, your, your, your social media manager and everybody else that you're employing to keep you famous, have you been propped up as this sex kitten vixen the past eight or nine years of your career or shorter? You can't just like not be that person anymore one day. Like your career is gone. Like you've been propped up as this type of, celebrity this type of personality this 
this, you know, so you have to maintain that. You have to keep doing things to stay relevant. You have to keep doing things to maintain that. And your body is not going to cooperate with you. Right. Your body is going to be the machine that the Lord created it for you created. So eventually things are going to drop. Things are going to droop. Things are going to wiggle up. Things are going to stop working even maybe, you know, you can end up with your eye like going that way or something. You never know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, your, your teeth going to fall out. Like all kind of stuff is going to happen. Well, the, the, the people that are working with you in that scenario, they don't want to see that. They don't want to see any of that. They need to see the pristine you that has worked all these years, that has been a functioning, well-oiled machine yeah. that brings in the income, brings in the views, that brings in the, the attention, uh, brings in the, the branding and the, the, the influencer partnerships and, and all of the things that you have sustained. You got to keep it up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you use the plastic surgery as an example. Um, some people do get the do get modifications, however they may come, um, because they have an image to maintain. Other people get it because they have no image at all, and they need something to give them an image because uh, they really don't know who they are. So there is an ageism problem. Um, I believe that, uh, like I said earlier, the whole um, keeping minorities in a stereotyped box of roles is starting to change because there is an army now that is fighting with the people who have demanded this for years. We have an army fighting now. So now you do get a Black Panther. You know, now you do get someone, uh, an African-American woman with a leading role in Watchmen. You know what I mean? You yep. Now you do get, you know, um, Oprah Winfrey making movies, you know, producing movies and stuff like that. And you get movies like Precious, you know. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I know a lot of people might have a problem with Precious's um, plot, but that's not my point. Um, you know, you get your Tyler Perry's who has, you know, his own pretty much town in the middle of Atlanta um, or just outside of Atlanta. You, you're starting to see uh, people of color growing in areas that we were never allowed to grow before. Yeah, I think that that's good. I think that everybody's going to have their own individual opinion about who those people of color need to be. That's a different argument. What I'm saying is I see progression. Yeah. I, see, I see it moving in a positive direction. If we can continue the positive direction, then I think we will have made ground that our ancestors will be so proud of. The Hattie McDaniels, you know, the, can look from heaven and be like, wow, like, you know, she, this, this young black woman here won an Oscar for playing the United, uh, you know, playing the role of the president of the United States in this movie. Not a maid in a house on a plantation. Right. But she was actually the president in this movie. And she won an Oscar for best, you know, best actress. Those, that's coming. Those days are coming. And I think that that's a huge improvement. Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel um, 
for these people who are stepping up into these places, you know, for yourself, when you were getting these roles and these opportunities, that there is added pressure on African-Americans when they do have that that spot, that space um, to I have to nail this because it's not just for me. If I mess this up, they might not bring another one. They might not allow the next one. Um, have you ever felt that kind of pressure? Absolutely. I have felt that kind of pressure. Um, and the reason why those people are in those roles in the first place is because they can handle that pressure. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of what you bring to the entertainment industry is it evolves around your own level of discipline, your own self-worth and your own confidence. Um, you will absolutely be put in a position where you feel you have to do 50, 100 times better than your, your white counterparts, let's say, yeah. um, or your female counterparts if you're a woman. Um, but you succeed in the industry because you do have that drive, you do have that confidence, and you do bring it. You know, you are prepared when you get on set. You are prepared when you get on stage. And that's the reason you are a star, because you had that level of discipline when maybe somebody else doesn't. Yeah. And that's what sets you apart. So honestly, it's kind of like part of being in entertainment. You always need to be on top of your game because you are expected to bring it. Um, and I think that as a minority, you probably have a little bit more pressure, but I think that's overall the whole entertainment industry period, because if you could like, for example, you know, Usher helped Justin Bieber off, you know, early in his career. Yeah. I'm sure Usher expected Justin Bieber to be on top of everything he needed to be on top of when he hit that stage. Yeah. You know, so that was less of a racial dynamic and more of a money dynamic. Like I'm investing my time in you, you know, I'm, 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 putting my name on you, young man, you better go out there and show these people why you are Ursher approved. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, but yes, um, I believe that to a degree, um, if you are a person of color and you have like white counterparts around you in the entertainment industry, you are expected to bring it and you are expected to be, you know, on, on, in tip top shape on top of your, your gig, even if everybody else isn't. Yes, that definitely does happen. Did you feel, so I, I'll use myself as an example, uh, with the family we grew up in, so I know many of you wouldn't know this, but our grandfather uh, was really, he was very honest with me at a young age. He was like, look, it's certain stuff you cannot control. Um, you cannot control your skin color can't control that you cannot control how people view you because of your skin color when they first meet you you can't control that but he would say here's what you can control you can control how hard you work you can control how hard you prepare and you can control your attitude yes uh, those are three things that you know he he and not just him and our whole family honestly they drilled that into us where, you know, I even, I made up a word called Weesha and I had like, so I had my kids, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I used to have them dying like Weesha. I'm like, yeah, not Woosah, Weesha, you know, work ethic, study habits and attitude. That's, that's what I live by. 
I can control this. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say to me. I don't care how you treat me. My work ethic is going to be on point. You will not outwork me. My study habits, I have full control over how much time I spend on that. I will know exactly what I need to know to impress you when I get here. And my attitude is something else that I have complete control over. You know, um, how much did growing up in, in our, what I thought was crazy family, and I came to find out later on, maybe they wasn't so crazy, but how much did that play a role in your success? Oh, man. I don't think I would be successful without it. Um, the biggest part of my upbringing was just having parents that, 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 that were wise enough to start me off at a young age knowing, first of all, how big this world is. And this, this is huge for me um, when it comes to young people. Yeah. You have to get a child out the door traveling. I'm not talking like infant or toddler, but, but at a point where they can really start to comprehend and absorb their environment, you have to get them out the door, out into the world. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me is I'm here. I am 10, 11 years old, standing in Munich, Germany, wow. singing at a soccer game and there's 50,000 people there. And I'm singing, uh, at this soccer game. And it's a song that I had to learn the German words to, to sing. Um, That gave me just that one gig that I had when I was a kid and being in Germany for, I think it was like two weeks. I think we were there and touring around Germany, singing and making these media appearances and all of these things I was doing. I still have all the pictures and everything. Yeah. Um, That, Open my mind to so many things. The fact that the world is huge, that there's a whole world out there for me to explore. The fact that at that age, I had the, the guts and the confidence to stay focused, go out there and sing my song, even though there were 50,000 people in that yes. arena. Um, the fact that my mom and my brother were there for me and they were strong and they were telling me, giving me positive affirmations. Yes. Telling me, you can do this, trust me, you can do this. Just don't don't even look at the crowd. Just focus, focus on the words. Like my mom, going, hold my hands, going over the words with me, you yes. know, keeping me focused, things like that. Like the support that you get as a child going on into adulthood from your family is the, the most important thing you can ever rely on in life, ever. So if you have parents that tell you, yeah, your work ethic has to be on point because you're not going to be average. You're going to be above average. You know, your study habits have to be on point because you are going to be incredibly smart. You're not going to be a C student. You could be straight A student. Your attitude is going to be amazing because you are amazing. Because you are unlike any person walking the planet and you are going to show the planet who you are as an individual. These are the things that we heard coming up. And that's how you have to talk to a child, especially now with social media and the internet and all of this stuff um, coming at them. I mean, so it's, you got, you have to instill 
the just the strongest, most prudent values in your kids as young as you can start them off um, because they are going to need it once they get older. They are going to need it to face the crazy challenges of this world. And I'm just grateful that um, between what my mother and brother and father, even though he was in my life for a short time, instilled in me as a young child and the challenges that my mother allowed me to go through as an entertainer while still protecting my innocence and protecting, you know, protecting me, but allowing me to be challenged by having to learn, you know, memorize an entire script, having to know 30 or 40 song sets, having to sing in front of 50,000 people, the level of, or more, because the older I got, the more people it became. Um, the, the level of discipline that I had to develop, the, the skill sets that I developed around those things have helped me to this very moment in my life. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just making sure that I stayed on a path, even though it meant walking away from education. In school, <laughs> she made sure I stayed in school. Um, even, uh, even though it meant walking away from the entertainment industry, I mean. Um, I stayed in school. So all of that coupled with my re- my personal relationship that I have with the Lord Jesus Christ in the way that I try to live my life as a believer and someone who is obedient to the word. Um, all of that is, you know, helped me maintain. And I'm not the only one. I'm sure a lot of people, including yourself, can say the same thing. It's a, it's a cocktail of things that have to come together uh, for you to maintain in this world because this world is something else. It really is. And I, you, you hit on a big part of it, of how the family, how important the family structure is. Yes. You know, obviously yes. you talked about it from an entertainment standpoint, but just in general, being able to speak positive affirmations, affirmations verbally into yes our children's lives. Yes. Um, Because right now, affirmation is coming from everywhere and it's not all positive and it's not all that you want. That's exactly what I mean. It's coming from everywhere. And in a lot of the times, it could be coming to your baby's phone at, you know, 1.30 in the morning while they're sitting with their phone under their covers and they can't sleep. Yeah. We did not have to deal with that as children. Um, the only thing that I, I would be reading, I would be reading something maybe like a comic book or something under the covers in my sleep, but I wasn't sitting up looking at world star. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> These kids are watching world star under their covers with a flat, with their light from their phone. Yes. Under their covers talking about world star. <laughs> <laughs> you poke your head and be like, I, Bit, you know, uh, turn world star off. <laughs> no. we, didn't, we didn't have world star when we were kids, so yeah, we have to watch the babies, we have to watch what their you know, what their intake is as far as communication and and the media, what the media is feeding to them, and we have to come, we have to constantly give them positive affirmation physically and verbally. Yes, that's what I believe. 
Let me end with this question. And for African-Americans who may be watching this or looking at this and obviously knowing more about your history and who you've been, the things you've been able to overcome and to be successful at, what advice would you give to an African-American, and that can be a man or a woman, Mm -hmm. who is saying, you know, I'm seeing what's happening in the world. I'm understanding what entertainment and media is doing to, to me, what it's saying to other cultures about me. Um, what advice would you give to that person who says, I want to overcome, I want to be successful in the ways that I am wired, but I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing racism, I'm seeing the protesting, I'm seeing all these things. What advice would you give them? I would tell them that what they're seeing means nothing. Um, They have full control over their own destiny. And for them to believe anything else is for them to believe what the media and all of these other people are trying to put into their mind. Wow. Yeah. Um, I have accomplished the things in my life that I wanted to accomplish. Um, I am a big like goal writer. I write my goals out. I'm, a, I'm really big about actually making lists because it, it spurs me to move quicker. Yeah. I write my goals down and I look at them on a daily basis and I slowly accomplish my goals because the only person that can stop that is me. Mm. I have not had a Caucasian person stop me from doing anything. And what I mean by that is they have told me no plenty of times. Yeah. But you don't tell Tressa no. You can, you can say no to her, but you don't tell her no. To me, there's a difference. Yeah. You can say, no, you can't do that. No, you can't have that mortgage. No, you can't have that small business loan. No, you can't get into this university. Well, I'm going to find a yes. Even if I have to create the yes. I am not going to allow my skin color to be the reason you think you can stop me. And that's the way I was raised. That's the way my brother and I were raised. Yeah. Um, and I believe that that is like a, the, a, the way a lot of African-American kids were raised. The media wouldn't have you believe that. But a lot of us were raised that way because a lot of us are out here. We are successful. Right. We are business owners. We are homeowners. We do have two and three cars. We do live in neighborhoods that, you know, um, maybe a few of our neighbors are wondering how the heck we got there. You know what I'm saying? Like we... A lot of us are doing much better than uh, in the past than we've been allowed to. And it's not because <laughs> it's not because I'm, I'm trying to say this nicely. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not because we were allowed right. to achieve more. It is because we got it. For ourselves right we found it it was because we did not take their no anymore and we are we're becoming more and more like that there was a woman 
I don't even know her name. I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically, but there was a woman at some point in history that had a meeting with like a target or a Walmart and they turned her down and she said, you know what? Nah, I'm going to get into a major department store. I don't care if it's Nordstrom's. Uh, no, you all can say no to me, but I'm saying yes. Yeah. Yes. I am going to be in a major store. I'm going to find the store. I'm going to get the distribution deal and you are going to see my products on that shelf. And she did it. And that is, you know, so Walmart and Target turned it down, but guess what? Now she's in Bed Bath & Beyond. Now she's in Whole Foods. Yeah. You know, we, what I would tell them is if you want it, get it. That is what I would tell them. Don't worry about what you see on TV. Don't worry about the stories that come out. Don't even worry about other people's experiences. Learn from them. Absorb the information from them that you need to equip yourself. But they're not you. You are you. No matter your skin color, no matter your sex, nothing. You are you. So you want it? Make it happen. Do it. Make it work. Um, if it takes knocking on 30 doors versus three doors, knock on 30 doors. How bad do you really want it? Do you want it or do you want it given to you? Because there are very, very, very different lanes um, that you can travel down. For example, if tomorrow I just decided to become a real estate agent because I see that there's like a great market for real estate, you, nobody's going to stop me from that because I'm a black woman. I don't care if I go into every real estate office in the state of Illinois. I'm in Illinois right now. In the state of Illinois. And they say, no, we don't need any more agents. Sorry. Okay, well, guess what Tressa's going to do? <laughs> Tressa is going to start her own real estate agency. I know Tressa is going to be a Tressa real estate company coming up on this block. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you know you can say no to Tressa, but you can't tell her no. Okay, I've always been that person, so I hope that that's that that makes sense to to people who are who are listening. Uh, I hope my answer makes sense because that was mm -mm. an amazing answer. I think that's the type of wisdom. <laughs> I wish, I wish more people had that type of talk coming into them, uh, specifically, mm -hmm. specifically within our communities, to really understand that. Um, so on one side, I'm explaining to a lot of Caucasians the realities of systemic racism, the realities of the things we've had to overcome and endure, and that's cool and fine. I had one person ask me, so what do you say to the people on the other side? Man, you can't allow that to stop you. Right. You know what I'm saying? I want to address that systematic racism thing real quick. Yeah. Let's take the example I just used with the real estate office, Okay. There have been countless minority realtors that have been turned away from agencies due to systematic racism. Yes. Because that agency did not need a black or Latino or Asian 
or Indian uh, face in the office for whatever reason they felt they did not need that minority representation. Maybe because they felt like, well, we don't have any minority clients, you know, and, and all of that, uh, whatever the case was, they were turned away because of the color of their skin. That's the systematic racism. But like I said, I, I, can, I can take all those no's, but at the end of the day, there's going to be a Tressa Thomas real estate agency. I don't care if I'm running it out of my garage. Jeff Bezos ran Amazon out of his garage. Okay? I don't care if I'm in my backyard under a tent. You're not going to stop me. So I don't want anybody to think that I don't think there's systematic racism, systemic racism, or however you say it. <laughs> it's, it's systemic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look, it don't stop me so much. I don't even know how to say it. I don't even care about. I don't even care about know how to say the word because it ain't gonna matter. <laughs> Man, it is so. It is so ill. It is so like not a factor to me. I don't even know how to say it. You know. No, but seriously, like, it's it's there. It definitely exists there. Um, I have my own personal story of being turned down for a property that I wanted to rent in Evanston, Illinois, because of my skin color. And I had uh, one of my white friends kind of intervene on my behalf and we tricked the lady. Um, and she ended up realizing that this the young white lady that intervened on my behalf was a very close friend of mine. So she was revealed as a liar. Wow. And like, is this a whole story behind it? When it first happened to me, I'm, I'm giving you the short version. When it first happened, it was something that, you know, I was kind of willing to just walk away from because that would not be the first time I couldn't rent a property. I wanted to rent because of my skin color. Yeah. Um, and it was not the first time that I've been lied to about a property, whether it was available or not, or whatever the case was. But it was the first time she had seen that. And because I was able to kind of partner with her to give her a teachable moment about systemic racism and about housing discrimination, yeah, I went ahead and said, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and do this with her because I need her to see that this does exist. It's not something that we're just making up. And so she and I got together and we came up with a plan to expose this woman. And it worked. And we did end up reporting her to the state and all of the other formal things that you're supposed to do. Yeah. But yes, it's there. But guess what? I have a place to live. That didn't stop me from finding a place to live. But it happened. Right. So I cannot say it doesn't happen. It absolutely happens. What ends up, what has to be the end game is how you let it stop you or let it start you. Okay. If you let it stop you then you have to have a plethora of excuses as to why it's stopping you. And if you have excuses, why? Why do you have excuses? But if you let it start you, then it's going to send you on a journey that's going to make you so strong 
that you'll be able to deal with anything that comes your way. And I'm sorry, I would rather deal with that, with racism in a way where it empowers me to not have to deal with racism because I can do it myself and I don't need to ask you or I don't need to be put in a situation where I need your help right. versus being stuck in a cycle where I do need your help and I do need you to ask me and you keep turning me down and I keep getting frustrated and I start to lose hope and this world starts to look like garbage and at the end of the day, I just want to go to a Gucci store, throw a trash can through it and burn it down because I'm that frustrated. And that is what we're dealing with. Yeah. Don't let it stop you. It's going to happen. But let it start you. Don't let it stop you. Come that's, on, that's, that's it. it. Woo! I'm going to go ahead and give you a round of applause. Turn it to my mother. I'm turning it to my mother. <laughs> you did. You, woo! Lane came and spoke truth right there. No, this is awesome. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah. we're going to hang out for a little bit afterwards, but thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you again for this conversation, um, for your realness, for your honesty, for the reminiscing on some past stuff that I'm going to laugh about tonight. Um, (laughs) This has been amazing to have these type of talks and to just to share more again about our family, but about the mindset that you have that's allowed you to do the things that you've done. So thank you for allowing me to have this wonderful conversation with you.